You're listening to Masters of Web3, a Transac podcast. Join your hosts, Sammy Start, Transac co-founder and CEO, and me, former CNBC money journalist, Megan DiMatteo, for an exclusive look into the stories behind the world's most well-known Web3 startups. Every episode, we conduct interviews with the high-profile founders, developers, and innovators building the world's most widely adopted blockchain protocols. We want you to hear about the highs and lows experienced along the founder's journey in the crypto space from the people behind the tech that's changing our world and get a 360 degree look at how blockchain innovation is disrupting the internet as we know it. So welcome to Masters of Web 3. Welcome everybody to Masters of Web 3, episode 12. Today we have James Young, who is a special guest because he is one of our own. He is the head of compliance and money laundering reporting officer at Transac. And we promise we didn't time this episode to be happening during the week when Tornado <laughs> was listed as a sanctioned, uh, as a sanctioned protocol. <laughs> Um, but there just so happens to be so much happening uh, this week and every week in the compliance space, which is why we wanted to bring James on to give us some insight into that side of things. Um, for our audience is full of devel- developers and aspiring founders and uh, aspiring crypto professionals, and there's so much to wrap your head around uh, with this topic. So, James, we're so happy to have you. We're really lucky to have you, and um, I'm going to pick your brain for the next hour so that our audience can <laughs> get some insight into like the things they have to think about to start these companies in a way that's legal ethical and compliant with all the many governing and regulatory bodies that are out there. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Do you want to say hello? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, really, really happy to be here today and uh, happy for you to pick my brain. <laughs> Let's see how we go. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm like a vulture. <laughs> Someone used that metaphor today at this breakfast that I went to and I was like, oh, I love that metaphor. <laughs> Cool. Well, why don't you just give us like a quick introduction to who you are, um, and then and then I'll just I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no problem. So, uh, as as you said, I'm, I'm James Young, and I work at Transac um, as head of compliance and MLRO. So, what that basically means is I look after, along with the compliance team, all of the regulatory regulatory obligations that um, Transac uh, is 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 required to adhere to. Um, also look after all of the kind of compliance operational aspects. So looking at onboarding users, you know, users and our partners as well, um, and kind of monitoring transactions and and orders in order to prevent the bad guys essentially from um, using Transact for the wrong reasons. Which is a huge undertaking, a huge task. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know. (laughs) Like I get overwhelmed on your behalf thinking about it. (laughs) Do you ever get overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to say. Um, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of the time it's quite overwhelming, but I think um, you know, Transac itself is is a, is a supportive place to be, and it's got a a great culture. Everyone supports each other, so I think um, when you get those kind of feelings, all you really need to do is, is is kind of reach out, and there's always someone there to help and 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 listen. So it's great on that front. Well, first of all, how long have you been with Transac? Yeah, so I started in in November last year. Yeah, I kind of got referred to Transact through a, a headhunter um, contact of mine. 
introduced me to Sammy and you know, Sammy and I had a um, lengthy discussion about what Transac is and does and what its vision is. And of course, as part of that, you know, he invited me to try the product. So I kind of, I, I went on to Transact and I, I tried the product, you know, I opened up a wallet with um, one of our partners and, and purchased some crypto using Transact. And honestly, I was really interested in the kind of um, the issue that Transact was trying to solve, you know, the problem that Transact was was trying to solve, which is kind of the onboarding journey for all of these kind of DeFi apps and um, and games and, and, and what have you. And it really appealed to me because, um, you know, as part of all the, all of that, we're essentially solving one big issue for our, our, our partners, which is which is compliance. So I was thinking to myself, "Wow, it's you know, an incredibly important role to be in the compliance team at Transact because they're putting that as a as a focal uh, pillar of the business, right?" So that's that's really what attracted me to to Transact. I think it was really doing something unique. Um, you know, Sammy Sammy's a really really great guy. Had a great vision. Um, and everybody else that I spoke to during the interview process really sold it to me as well. So yeah, my brain is firing off right now. You probably can't <laughs> tell because I I like to keep a serene look on my face, but I'm like, as you were talking, I'm like, I've got a question about that. I've got a question about that. I've got a question about that. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of answered my question because coming into this conversation, my first thought was like, how does someone whose job is to mitigate risk, you know, and ensure legal compliance, um, and you know, a little bit of background about me is I was a personal finance journalist prior to becoming a crypto journalist, also around November of last year, a little earlier than that. So like around the summer, but really went full into it around November. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, ta- my job at CNBC was to launch uh, a new vertical um, around personal finance product recommendations and advice. And mm-hmm. so we had a, a lot of responsibilities when it came to compliance oh. because there were certain things we could publish, certain things we couldn't publish. And then, of course, every product that we mentioned had its own compliance team that would tell us, you know, uh, like some people required that we put the APR, for example, in the copy of the articles that we were writing. Other companies didn't. And of course, every company is answering to, you know, they're abiding by their own guidelines, whatever those are. Some of them are federally opposed, you know, imposed by the government. Uh, Some of them are, are just you know, their lawyers have uh, recommended that they make those, that they follow those guidelines uh, just to kind of be safe and and create a culture of best practices. So I know how much care (laughs) and thought goes into maintaining compliance. And I guess my first kind of question was like, what would even attract somebody with that kind of personality um, and that sense of like responsibility to crypto, this world that is completely, you know, that was founded by DGENs, you know, really proud DGENs. <laughs> yeah, it might it might seem like madness, you know, stepping into a world that is kind of very chaotic, you know, still largely developing from a regulatory perspective. But I think that's one of the things that really, really appealed to me was that it, it's, it's not very often you do it, you know, as you said, you get a new kind of vertical come into play, in this case, crypto. And, um, you know, you get to step, you get to step foot into that world at the very beginning of the regulatory journey and almost help shape it in a way. So that's, that's really what attracted me to, you know, crypto compliance, I suppose, in its, in itself, you know, as you'll see from your background as well, regulators in crypto, in the crypto space, particularly, particularly, you know, still largely making their mind up about how to treat crypto, 
how to regulate it, how to supervise it. So the challenge for me of keeping up with all of that was really appealing. So that's kind of one one aspect of it. And I think, you know, more broadly, I think when when people approach crypto, they, they see it as kind of a, oh, you know, don't don't touch it. You know, you look at all the traditional financial institutions, the banks, it's, it's always classed as, you know, high risk, don't do business with crypto firms. You know, it's very, very risky, very, very shady, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of anonymity, lots of money laundering, lots of fraud. And actually, fundamentally, I think it's it's really misunderstood. And that's another reason that I really mm, wanted to join yeah. Transact to really bring that message through. Um, that, you know, it's, it's, not, it, 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 it's not all about criminality. I think if you look at the actual statistics, the criminal aspect of the crypto market is, is very, very small. Um, I think if you look at the kind of nuts and bolts of crypto as well, and if you have the right compliance programs, et cetera, you can arguably be more successful in um, you know, preventing these types of financial crimes than a traditional financial firm can due to the nature of blockchain, due to the nature of DeFi. So I think those two aspects really drew me into the crypto world. Um, and yeah, I haven't looked back since. Yeah. I know, right? It's like full speed ahead. Um, it's exciting. Now, when you say like that the nature of blockchain actually creates, you know, more transparency, you're talking about the fact that it's a public permissionless ledger upon which right. all of the transactions are are logged. So from a compliance perspective, it's really just a matter of like professionals and users like becoming literate and how blockchain works and understanding how to access that data, how to work with that data because it really is all there. And I agree with you. I think a lot of people think it's misunderstood um, because of, you know, money laundering and what have you, but mm-hmm. anonymity, which is something that, that is, I think I would say a value of the crypto world, right? Like people can mm-hmm. have an, an anonymous wallet and they don't necessarily have to have to have their name associated to that wallet. Um, now products like Transact do require that most people do, give personally identifying information, but in the DJ, you know, back in the DGEN days, anonymity is a pillar of, of the culture, but anonymity doesn't mean a lack of transparency because you can, if you can pinpoint the wallet address, then this is just to kind of illuminate it for anybody. I think most of our listeners already know this, but I think to speak to your point, if you can pinpoint the wallet address, then there's actually much more transparency on blockchain because you can see all of those, all of the movement of, of those funds, which is how, like in the United States, you know, the FBI has been able to track down, you know, a couple of, like there's two high profile thefts that the, that the FBI was able to track down yep. just using the data from blockchain. Mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. kind of the, the point that you were trying to make there? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I agree with you. So it's all you know, stored on the blockchain. Um, and there, you know, there are tools available, like of chain analysis, elliptic, you know, this kind of software that will enable you to effectively trace the transactions to wherever they may end up. Um, you know, with, within reason, yeah. of course, and there's always exceptions, but, you know, if you compare that to sort of the, the, the centralized finance world, often you follow the money for a good period of time and then it, and it will just disappear into kind of layer upon layer of corporate structure. And you don't you don't get that with crypto mm. because of the nature of the blockchain, right? And 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 you know that that for me is where it's kind of misunderstood. And I think it's still an emerging industry, of course, and I think there's still a lot of skepticism around it. Um, but I think broadly speaking, um, it's it's the, the misunderstanding is diminishing, which I'm really happy about. And there's a lot more crypto adoption as we've been seeing. 
um, a lot more kind of emphasis placed on compliance, both from regulators and the industry itself. And I think um, that's certainly helping build consumer trust and push forward the adoption of crypto. So I want to ask you your thoughts about this whole tornado debacle, <laughs> but we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit later, um, because I agree with you. I think as a whole, uh, more people are becoming aware of it. There is more understanding of it, but it's like with everything that it's up, there's ups and downs, right? There's two, there's forward momentum. And then there's like these big <laughs> yeah. uh, moments of like, what's happening and, and, and chaos ensues. And then people kind mm-hmm. of process that. And then there's more forward momentum. And I think we are moving the needle, but this happens to be a really crazy week. But before we kind of talk about that, for those who don't know, like when it comes to transact specifically, um, you know, you mentioned that you were impressed with uh, Sammy's vision and the way that Transact handles compliance and actually mm-hmm. solves that the compliance problem, so to speak, for decentralized applications um, such as DEXs exchange, or exchanges, um, yes. marketplaces, gaming mm-hmm. platforms. So um, can you just explain a little bit about how Transact actually solves the compliance problem. For one thing, Transact is licensed and registered in the UK, which has fairly mm-hmm. strident um, legal standards. So maybe start there and kind of break that down and then explain um, the, you know, how that aids the onboarding process for users and companies. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, as, as you rightly say, Transact's uh, registered in the UK as a, as, a, as a crypto asset firm with the Financial Conduct Authority. So you have to go through a fairly stringent um, you know, registration process there where the FCA kind of looks at your, your business, your controls and, you know, the way you manage compliance. So that's, you know, that's certainly a big, a big, um, a big win and plus point for Transact. Actually, can you maybe explain just kind of loosely what they're looking for whenever they're looking at you and evaluating you? Yeah, so I think broadly speaking, in the UK, the applicable regulation to crypto firms is is called the Money Laundering Regulations 2017, and the FCA will essentially want to deep dive into your firm, right, and understand how you comply with that specific um, regulation, um, and there'll be more stringent requirements as as kind of time time goes on. And so then you were saying how that how that relates to the actual functionality of Transact and how Transact actually plugs into the onboarding process. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. So I guess you, you think of Transact as almost the the middle, the middle man or the middle person between these apps, you know, in, in the kind of crypto market and the end users that really want to use these apps. I think um, the way the way I kind of look at it is, you know, you have a particular app, it might be a game or it might be a you know, decentralized game or a decentralized uh, wallet application or anything where a user has to essentially purchase crypto in order to interact with that particular application or protocol. So a traditional flow might look like the user has to go to some wallet provider, open a wallet, connect that wallet to the protocol, go back to some exchange, purchase the applicable crypto, put it into the wallet, and then use the protocol. Right. So Transact essentially simplifies that right by being, being in the middle. So we integrate with the apps on the one side, and then the apps, um, you know, they, they leverage our user onboarding and our KYC checks and all of that kind of great stuff. The users essentially visit, you know, the apps and they're able to connect with that particular wallet to the app. 
and then use Transact to purchase the crypto in a very seamless way so that there's not all this kind of hopping around. So I think that kind of solves it solves one aspect, which is the you know the user user onboarding journey, if you like. And then from a compliance perspective, on behalf of the partner, you know, we'll take care of half of the app, sorry, we'll take care of all of the compliance requirements. So we'll look at the the KYC, um, making sure that the particular user fulfills all of the necessary regulatory requirements when they onboard. And then on an ongoing basis, we'll monitor that user's transactions just to make sure that there's nothing, you know, illicit or kind of shady going on. So that's how I'd kind of summarize us taking care of the compliance requirements on behalf of the uh the applications that we serve. Are there apps or dApps that you that from a compliance perspective don't make the cut? Like are there some that don't meet the standards, like transact standards? Yeah, no, sure, sure. So I think um some some will struggle to meet the regulatory requirements and therefore our standards. That's kind of the way I put it. A particular challenge with, for example, decentralized autonomous organizations, right? DAOs. Um they're typically community run. They don't have any kind of legal entity. They don't have any um, one person governing the structure or a team governing the structure, community-led, community-run. So that presents some particularly interesting challenges from a regulatory perspective. Yeah, well, but Transact does have some DAO partners, right? Like, for example, we we had Wesso from Beefy on, you know, Beefy's a, um, a DEX. A DEX, for those who don't know, is a, a decentralized exchange. And it's, you know, usually a place where you can swap um, tokens. And the way that they describe it is like an optimization protocol. So they make it, they allow yeah. you to swap tokens based on the, or, or coins based on the tokens or the coins that you want. Because often in different ecosystems, you can only choose between some. So they allow you to optimize and get the, you know, the yield that you want. Um mm-hmm. In the most like seamless way. Anyway, it's a decentralized exchange or a DEX, and it's mm-hmm. run by a DAO, as James said, a, a decentralized autonomous organization. So, mm-hmm. Beefy uh, is a transact partner, from my understanding. And like, how did you? How do you? How do you deal with that? Like, what do you? I, I know that you can't do workarounds when it comes to compliance, but there has to be almost like a translation or an interpretation that has to happen, right? Because it's like, it's not a corporation, but there are people behind it. Um, Mm -hmm. These people are not employees. They are contributors. (laughs) Some of them go by pseudonyms, but you can track their activity with with their wallets if they're willing to like, you know, make all of their votes and wallet activity publicly available on chain. So, how do you kind of translate that and 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 are you able to do that in a way that meets the require the regulatory requirements yeah i think oftentimes the answer to that question is is no so you know typically um if we're if we're approached by a by a dao we may have to say we may have to say no um in in some of the cases that you've mentioned um you know it's a case of well Perhaps the first thing to say is that for, for all of our partners, you know, they're all required to undergo a very extensive due diligence process, right? So we make sure um, that they they very much meet the regulatory requirements and, and not just barely meet the regulatory requirements, very much meet the regulatory requirements, okay? Um, so with, with, with DAOs, as I said, that proves a bit challenging. Um, and any, any DAOs that have been onboarded in the past have been subject to those very same regulatory requirements, those very same high standards. And in the event that they can't yeah. meet those standards, unfortunately, we have to we have to say no to them. So, um, you know, tra- Transact yeah. is very much compliance first, um, without exception, and we'll always apply that gold standard to 
the business and the markets that we go into, even if the market or or the particular business in itself has a lower kind of threshold. That must get hard. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah, it presents it presents its challenges. And I think um, uh, just to add to that point around, um, you know, in, in traditional financial institutions right you you kind of you know the businesses broadly that you speak you're you're, you're, you're dealing with right you know uh, if you if you're if you're in a bank you know your customer base you know you know what you're going to be faced with um you know what kind of things they're going to approach you with right in in, in crypto and DeFi, it's, it's not the case there's new protocols like being um launched all the time and it's 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 really difficult to continually wrap your head around these new ideas and these new um, you know, these, these new functionalities, these new protocols, and whether they're even able to begin to meet the regulatory requirements. And if they're not, what do they need to do in order to meet the regulatory requirements so that we can, we can help them? Um, so yeah, it, it does get, it gets, it gets challenging, requires, you know, creative thinking and, um, a lot of, a lot of communication and, and work internally for us to, um, you know, to, 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 to help on that front. I mean, I guess you can't really prepare for, you can't prepare for everything. And there's so many unknowns in mm. crypto. Um, you know, a big example is, um, you know, I, I live in the US, so I I think about things in terms of uh, mm. the news that's happening here. And um, like, it just came out last week that the SEC has now ruled like something like eight or nine crypto currencies as securities. Um, and they, they listed them. I don't know if that, if the ruling is final, but you know, in the, in the, in the proceedings, like they, they listed these nine that they kind of distinguished as being different or distinct from other kinds of currencies. And, and it seems somewhat arbitrary because the SEC and regulators are also just trying to figure things out too. So they're, it's like the, we're kind of making these categories as we go, um, and and then there's deliberation on it and there's conversation on it and um you know then things can always be updated um another big one that just kind of rocked my social media feed yesterday was um the fact that the tornado protocol which is used in some cases for money laundering but in in a lot of cases simply just as a as a privacy measure from my understanding which is a way that people can on ramp their money and then kind of swirl it all around <laughs> like a tornado, like the yeah. name implies, um, in order to kind of, in order to anonymize, uh, that, that data so that it can't be tracked as easily. Um, I think I've heard of this as washing it too, maybe. And it does sound very much like money laundering. Um, but I, from what I, my understanding, people also use it for privacy measures too. And there was an interesting conversation on LinkedIn yesterday by a few people that I follow and people were arguing that this is kind of how money laundering works with cash too, right? Like once you take money out from the ATM or once you off ramp, so to speak, or, 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 well, I guess that's not really the same, but you know, once you take out cash, once you have cash in your hands, you can do anything with it and it's not being tracked. You know, the only thing that are tracked are the digital, uh, footprints of where mm-hmm. you took out that cash and when, at what time, and what location. Right. So, anyway, my question to you, and this is this is theoretical, and I obviously know that you can't like come out and 
and say anything from a legal perspective, but I'm just curious, like, is there a place for protocols like, like tornado? Are there parallels between like money laundering from a crypto perspective and from a cash perspective? From my understanding, the the rate of money laundering from with cash is still significantly higher than crypto, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of talk a little bit about, about that, maybe like where you see this conversation going as we figure out what to do mm-hmm. in this new world. Yeah, I think you rightly say that, you know, the rate of money laundering in, 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 in kind of the cash world, if you like, the fiat world, is is very high still. And I don't think it's ever a, a problem that we b- will be fully solved. I think the UK government re- released a report a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, kind of cr- criticised the, the kind of level of money laundering globally around, you know, how successful money laundering prevention has been at kind of a government or supranational level, if you like. So to answer your specific question about you know the, the kind of the mixers and the tumblers um, and the washers, if you like, there are definitely parallels, I think, um, and they're, they're very concerning, I think, to, to crypto firms. I, I would say that if you're putting compliance first as a crypto firm, you know, like we do at Transac, we're very, very wary of crypto tumblers, washers, and mixing services. You know, and we we use we, you know we use specific software to identify those kind of things and 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 really really avoid them so we we, we you know we don't we don't mm. entertain them i'm just like pew pew my this is this is that's the sound of my brain going yeah. crazy um <laughs> so like what would be a way that like when would because tr- because transact is an on-ramp uh, a crypto on-ramp and yeah. where in what scenario would transact encounter maybe data that suggested that something went through a, a a washing or a tumbler protocol like where have you been presented with that um in yeah. what scenario yeah so as i mentioned before right we we quite vigorously monitor the transactions of 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 our users not not from a you know anti privacy yeah. privacy perspective but just to keep them safe from fraud to keep the company safe from any instances of money laundering and um you know breaches of any compliance or regulatory obligations um, and, and, you know, we use very kind of specific on-chain monitoring software. You know, some of the big names are Chainalysis, Elliptic, for example, you know, to monitor transactions on, on, on the blockchain. Okay. And if there's any suggestion through that analysis and that investigation that um, a token or a wallet has integrated into some kind of mix or a Tumblr service or any other kind of high-risk metrics for that matter, yeah, you know, we reserve the right to basically deny that transaction, not to process it. So that's that's our primary mitigant against against things like that. I see. Okay. Okay. Now it's now going back to the original question, then I guess, which is like, so you already said yes, there are parallels with cash. There is more la- money laundering activity in cash. So then thinking about where we move forward, like, is there a place in crypto? I'm not going to ask you if you think it's fair that Tornado is on the sanctions list, <laughs> but yeah. I am curious, like, is it worth sanctioning these new crypto technologies when we don't have an equivalent to battle or to combat money laundering with cash? Like the post that I saw yesterday on LinkedIn was like, is cash going to be illegal soon? Because there's no way to monitor cash. And yeah. yet we can't take away people's fundamental rights to have peer-to-peer money transfer mm-hmm. systems. And, and you can't track all of the, the behavior. So with crypto, you can track all of the behavior on blockchain. So 
is mm. there going to be any room for anonymity on blockchain? You know what I mean? And and I understand it's your opinion and not your legal expertise or anything like that. Completely with you. So I would say from a from a regulatory perspective and the way the regulatory agenda is moving, I would say there's very little room for any kind of anonymity in the crypto space, you know, on the on on the block on the blockchain or just in the in the DeFi, the crypto space generally. And, you know, this, as I said, this is, this is only my opinion. Um, but, you know, there are upcoming regulations and, and other requirements coming into force 2022, 2023 that will kind of reduce the scope of, of, of anonymity on the, on, on the kind of blockchain and in the DeFi world. I think one, one thing that I would be very cautious of, um, you know, if I were kind of setting the regulatory agenda, if you like, or lobbying for it is, regulators really having to, to, to take the time to understand these protocols and what how they work and what they aim to achieve so that the kind of DeFi in the crypto world is not given a, a kind of un- unfair treatment from the regulatory bodies um, when compared to sort of centralized finance. So I think the level, the, the, the playing field has to be level, not, not give unfair treatment to a radically misunderstood industry um, when compared to an industry that already has all of these problems and the problems that, you know, just not going away. Yeah, that is such a good point. Such a good point. Because I think it's very easy to say, like, we just need to outlaw tumblers and and washers. Mm. And and it sounds like that's the, that's the stance that Transact has made, at least when it comes to who you're w- willing to do business with. Um, however, it's, I like what you said about recognizing the point and the reasoning behind why these Mm -hmm. things exist, because for those who aren't using it for money laundering purposes, okay, well, what are they trying to accomplish? And then are there ways to create and build technologies that allows say more privacy, um, Mm -hmm. in ways that are still compliant, right? That would, that would, uh, disincentivize money laundering. Mm-hmm. But still give them people the privacy that they want, you know. Um, yeah. No, exactly, exactly that. Which I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, I just uh, ask good questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, uh, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're asking the right questions, which is, which is great. But I don't, yeah. I don't think, that, you know, I think the regulators across the globe, broadly speaking, are still making up their mind on um, the answers to these type of questions, and I think. Um, in in the years to come, we'll see some really interesting updates and developments, and potentially contradictions. I, w- I would say that would be my prediction. Um, and I think you, you know you, you've seen it. You've seen it in the past in 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 centralized finance. You know you have different kind of cycles of regulation. You see it in the US, the UK, Europe. One 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 kind of minute for a cycle, it's it's very heavy handed. The next, it's more light touch. Um, and I think that's kind of the cycle that we'll go through with crypto and, and, and that's what we'll see in, in, in the years to come. So if you're listening to this and you are, you have a background in law or finance or compliance of any kind, and you want to be a part of this, it sounds like there is going to be a considerable job security <laughs> for you moving forward, uh, <laughs> which actually leads us to our last section. Uh, James, I would love to talk to you a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are and I guess like your advice for people who are on their career path and they would like to be a part of of building this and be a part of this conversation. Because as you mentioned, it is a little bit of a blue ocean right now and we need 
bright minds helping to solve these problems and set the compliance and regulatory frameworks for these new technologies. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. Like how did you, when did you first become interested in crypto? Before uh, Transac, I was, I was a real crypto newbie, you know, um, I probably fell into the trap of, you know, the misunderstanding that I've kind of described, um, earlier earlier you know around crypto being very it's okay. <laughs> yeah exactly very 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 shady and um you know kind of on on the on the kind of edge and you know having worked myself in traditional finance you know for a number of years and doing doing kind of compliance in in that space it was always kind of something that I steer clear of you know we 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 don't want to entertain crypto firms so, so yeah. Well, of- yeah. I mean, uh, here in the U.S., there was the Silk Road, and that was my first association yeah. with yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. Was this network where you know video gamers like all bought and sold drugs and paid for it with this weird technology that nobody had ever heard of? And I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. There's a yeah. There's a there's a really good TV show. You start up. You've probably seen it. Um, where that basically happens, no, I right? They create a cryptocurrency and it's used to facilitate illegal activities. So yeah, you should check it out. <laughs> um, I would but, love that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I kind of fell into the trap of of not really understanding crypto, you know, properly. Um, and then you know, when the when the when the role at Transact came up, I really you know, did my research, really looked into it, understand, uh, tried to understand the compliance challenges and some of the challenges that crypto itself is trying to solve you know and i really really fell in love with the idea and as i said i never looked back since um and yeah you know my my background is is, is kind of very very traditional i've, I've always been in compliance i have a, a legal background so i studied law at university and did a master's in law um i did a, a compliance qualification you know following that when i was kind of in 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 the in the, in the working world um i actually started at the at the fca um way back way back when um, okay. So I had a had a kind of good grounding on you know really yeah. what the regulator is about and and what you they're spoke trying the to language do. exactly yeah and that, that often helps um, and and then I just I went from from there to um, pe- uh, pensions and, uh, and and insurance kind of compliance and then on to kind of more more of the payments sort of more coming into kind of you know where I am now so more just like remittance and payments and and that kind of thing. And then eventually took the jump into into crypto um, a, a little a little while back. So um, yeah, and as I said, it's been a, been a great ride so far, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> what makes a really stellar compliance officer? And then adding onto that, what makes <laughs> what what skills are transferable into the crypto world? Like, how does a stellar compliance officer become a stellar compliance officer in crypto? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try my best. I'm not sure I'm there yet, so let's see. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm also yeah. just trying to get a sense of like, you know, like when you were yeah. when you were in grade school growing up, was everybody <laughs> like, like, did you know, like, I don't know, was there always a part of you that was looking to make things secure and kind of rational and like make sense and um yeah, like were you always kind of cons- like mindful and aware of the risks, and like how did those kind of uh, qualities translate into becoming successful in your career? Yeah, um, I, I would say that I probably am very logical by 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 nature. Um, 
not kind of in a mathematical or engineering way, but I kind of like things to be simple, right? So that's and that's and, and that's that's kind of the way I try and fit compliance into the crypto world, but it doesn't. It never never works that way. Okay, uh, <laughs> so um, so yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that's helped me, and um, I think having an attitude of continuous learning and open mindedness has really helped as well to try and really understand things from um, the perspective of, of crypto and DeFi. Like what what's what's yeah, it, it didn't just come around for no reason. What's the challenge that it's trying to solve? Um, and and you know what what kind of the other overlaying compliance challenges and how can they be solved? So I'd say. Um, you know, getting into crypto, I'd say that you, well, from from the compliance perspective, anyway, I think open mindedness is is absolutely key, alongside um, you know uh, a desire to be creative in the way that you um, you know structure your solutions and and your problems um, solutions to problems. So I'd say those are those are two very key things. And you know, like like any other role, I think it's even more important now though in in a kind of post pandemic era. Um, you know, the ability to build relationships and actually get along with people like, really well, both internally, externally at the regulator, um, and and with your partners. You know, so I think it's so important that communication element to be able to understand what's going on, what the problems are, and then and then how you can ultimately look to look to solve them. Um, but I would encourage anyone to really uh, look into crypto as a career. It doesn't have to be in compliance and you, you don't have to be technically um, minded, you know, you don't have to be a software engineer or, um, or, or a programmer or anything like that. There are literally hundreds of roles in the crypto and the DeFi world that you, you, can, you, can, you can get involved in. So um, get involved. I love that. And can you take us through like uh, just a quick play by play of like what your what your day might look like, like how much of your time is spent on the phone with regulators or people from, you know, th- those offices? Uh, how much yeah. of your time is spent monitoring, uh, you know, the yeah. Transact community and like that kind of activity? Give us like a little breakdown of what your day is like. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it sounds a bit cliche, right? But no, no two days are the same. And I think but, but particularly, right, if you take a startup, which Transact, you know, still is or only a, a few years old, and overlay that with with crypto, which is madness, you know, anyway, right, as you, as you said earlier. Um, so so really no two days are the same. Um, but, I think, but I think broadly speaking, you know, a lot of my time will be talking to people internally within the business to try and get a handle of what's going on. And I kind of split that into two, right? So I'd, I'll always be very close to my team and, and understand what, they're up to what's going on, how I can help, really how I can create the best environment for them to do their job. I think that's fundamentally one of the key aspects of my role is is really, you know, um, providing that environment for them to do their very best work. So that's one aspect I really like and one aspect I spend a lot of time doing um, and, and really building out, you know, the compliance framework for them to shine within and to keep the company safe and then and then secondly ah. you know communicating <laughs> and then communicating I love that you just said shine within that makes me so happy and I got to say like as a writer I appreciate that because I have to be honest when I found out that we had a compliance team at my former role at CNBC I was nervous because I'm I'm a rule breaker and I hate details like I'm a very big picture creative minded thinker. Mm. So when I found out that we had to like 
run things by the compliance department, I was like, oh no, I was so nervous because I thought I was going to be terrible at it. And I thought that it would be frustrating and that they would be annoyed with me. But I do have to say a good compliance person will make the other members of the team feel like they have to, they like they have permission to shine from within, because once I knew that we were compliant with things and I had met kind of the requirements that our compliance guy gave us, I mm. felt like that was my green light. Then I, I knew what the the parameters were, and then I could yeah. work within those parameters to be creative and execute, you know, my portion of the of the job. So I love that you just said shine from within. I'm like, yes, that's what a good compliance person will make you feel. (laughs) I I try, I try. But, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a key part, right. Of, of any compliance officer's role is to, um, you know, empower, empower your colleagues, right. Your team, your direct team, but also, also the wider team. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's just about, about relationships and, giving them you know getting their buy-in on what you're actually trying to achieve because we, we all want the same thing right we all want the company to be successful we all want um you know mass adoption in crypto in a safe and, and compliant way um so i think it's just about how you communicate with that so i'd say you know my, my day is, is, is spent a lot of time as i said with with my team really building out the framework and the operational side of of everything and then and then really kind of trying to i don't know you'd have to ask my colleagues whether i'm succeeding or not but really trying to build those relationships internally <laughs> to, to drive the business forward, you know, in a compliant and safe way. I love that. Awesome. I will definitely ask Sammy. I'll follow up and, and make sure. But obviously you're still here and it seems like everyone is thrilled with you. So it seems like you're doing oh, a wonderful you. job. <laughs> um, cool. um is there anything else you would like to add before i ask you our last question i don't think so no no you go ahead please okay so you kind of already answered this but i like to wrap up my interviews by asking what does somebody need to embody or what quality do they need to possess or what do they need to learn in order to become the next master of web3 you can interpret that however you like (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Interesting one. Um, yeah. Okay. I would say, firstly, I would say, yeah, sorry, I'm just, just collecting my thoughts on this. A pretty deep question. Sorry. It's fine. It's a, it's a good, it's a good question to answer. Um, I'd say firstly, I think linking back to what I said before, having that open-minded um, and thirst for knowledge, yeah. right? So really understanding, um, both the industry, DeFi, Web3, all of that, all of that great stuff, really understanding it in detail, a very technical level, you know, the, the old kind of saying of inch, inch wide, mile deep, you know, understanding it to the very, very minutia. Um, and, and then mm. really continually learning, okay, and understanding um, how everything uh, kind of works and the challenges and issues that it's trying to solve. I think that's a very good first step. I'd say, secondly, understand your stakeholders within the industry. I think it's it's important to have mastery over that. So, who who are your key stakeholders? You know, you've got regulators, senior management, um, customers, partners, all of those kind of um, stakeholders, and really try and understand what each one is trying to do and achieve. Um, and and then I think you'll have a lot easier time in you know a much easier time in um 
in kind of moving things forward with them. And and thirdly, I think uh, you know it's it's will sound a bit cliche, but enjoy what you do, right? So I think it's it's so important. You know, you spend a lot of time actually doing um, your job, your you know your your career, right? It's, you spend a lot of time doing it. So I think it's really important to to, to actually enjoy it and don't be don't be negative about it because i think there will be some days that are very difficult other days that aren't so difficult but above all remain positive and i think that is is so so important i've got sammy to thank for that because he uh organized a, like a workshop for us in london a few weeks ago and he had this this guy come along that talked about you know power of communication the power of three so there you go <laughs> ah yes yes i think that's so true and three happens to be one of my like my lucky numbers too. So (laughs) amazing. (laughs) James, it was awesome to have you. We so appreciate your thoughts and your expertise. I know the audience is really going to benefit from this. Sure. Thank you. You've been listening to Masters of Web3, a Transact podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show, giving us a review, and sharing this episode with one of your friends on Twitter. We know you hang out there. (laughs) If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the best and latest stories on blockchain technology right to your ears. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Masters of Web3. Masters of Web3.